Welcome to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, the podcast for high achievers who want to stay sharp, focused, and full of energy despite their diagnosis. With your host, National Board Certified Functional Medicine Health Coach, Julie Michelson, where Julie helps you take your power back from autoimmunity. And now here's your host, Julie Michelson. Welcome back to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast. I'm your host, Julie Michelson, and today we are joined by Beth O'Hara, founder of Mast Cell 360, and we're talking about mast cell activation syndrome. Beth is a functional naturopath, and she specializes in complex chronic cases of mast cell activation syndrome, histamine intolerance, and mold toxicity. We're discussing the connections between mast cell activation syndrome and autoimmunity, their root causes, and the steps we can take to improve symptoms. Beth, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Julie. I'm super stoked about having this conversation because there's a huge link between what we're going to talk about and autoimmunity. This may turn some light bulbs on for people, and sometimes this is this conversation is a real game changer in their health. I couldn't agree more. And and I think that this is an area where people just, they need the information. And I'm sure there will be listeners that are going to have, like you said, that light bulb is going to pop on like, ooh, dots are going to connect today. So I'm excited for this. So I know that you have had an extensive health journey, <laughs> as <laughs> have most of my guests. Can you share a little bit about your journey and your healing and, and what you're doing today with us? For sure. You know, it's it was quite a journey. And looking back, I can't believe that I'm here today, even just doing this podcast. But I when when I was young, my family moved out to the country into an old farmhouse. And that same felt like a big adventure at the time. And they were renovating the farmhouse and we were out in the country and I was running around the fields and we didn't know, you know, this was early eighties. We didn't know anything about mold. We didn't know anything about tick-borne infections. Nobody knew anything about that, but I started having some weird health issues, a lot of allergy type things. And then when I was nine, I was kicked in the head by a horse and I had a traumatic brain injury. Nobody knew much about traumatic brain injuries there. And we were in a rural area. So medicine was 20, 30 years behind the cities. So we didn't have any treatment for that. And there was a spiraling down of health issues over the years. So immediately after that, I had dark depressions and anxiety. Now looking back, oh my gosh, the level of neural inflammation that was going on. I started developing all kinds of sleep issues. Then after that, I started developing a lot of hypoglycemia and these blood sugar drops. And I'd have to eat. My friend's parents would tease me because I would always be in their fridge. And at home, I was always in the fridge, in the kitchen, eating, 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 because I had to keep my blood sugar stable. But, you know, it kind of made it along. And then I just kept having these hits, though. When I was 16, I was in a bad car accident and I couldn't get out of bed. I mean, I was just, it was, it was tremendous. I was off from school for most of the year and at home on pain meds, which also didn't help me, but it was an ex extraordinary pain. So that was the best that we had at the time. 
by the time I was heading to college, I had extreme anxiety, chronic fatigue, but I could still push through. I just really had to whip myself and I would whip myself every day, but I was pretty overachieving. So I was doing graduate level courses as an undergrad. I was working three jobs to put myself through. I had a scholarship, you know, covered my tuition and then I had to cover my living expenses and just burning the candle at both ends. But my big dream was to go to medical school. And I'd actually decided on that when I was six. And I had poured everything into that. And I started researching at 12 what it was going to take to get in medical school. So I was prepared. (laughs) And I had multiple scholarship offers to med school. But by the time I got to my senior year, I was so ill. I knew even if I made it through that four years of grueling coursework, I would never make it through an 80-hour-a-week residency for four years. And I had to turn those scholarships down, which was just devastating. And I had no backup plan. But my the fatigue and then the pain was so severe at that point. I was going doctor to doctor to doctor and exhausted everything traditional medicine could do for me. I'd been given gabapentin. I'd been given high-level pain meds. I'd been given opioids. And these all made me feel worse. So I didn't feel good about taking them. And then I started into holistic medicine and functional medicine was just starting in its infancy. And I just, you know, we didn't have telehealth like we have now. So I had who I could drive to. And by the time I was 28, I was on a cane. I could barely hobble across the room to the bathroom. I had to use the wheelchair, the powered wheelchair to go through the grocery. And I started seeing rheumatologists. And I was misdiagnosed with palindromic rheumatoid arthritis, Mm. which is considered rare, but it's a form that can come and go. I I question whether that's actually autoimmunity, but I didn't have autoimmune markers. And that was the big tip off. But nobody could figure out an orthopedic surgeon wanted to do exploratory surgery surgery on my knees because they had no idea what was going on. And I said, well, if you don't have a theory, we're not cutting me open. Brilliant. And I just, I kept making the circuits. And I also, probably because of the severe anxiety and the depression that I had and the severe insomnia. I mean, I hit a point where I didn't sleep for four years and that makes anybody crazy. Mm. So I had been told multiple times that my blood work looked normal. I'm not sick. I wanted to be sick. There was something that was I was attached to or there's some need I had to be sick and or that it was all in my head. Mm-hmm. It wasn't real. And I heard that so many times that I kind of mm-hmm. knew it wasn't true, but I thought, well, I'm going to explore this. I did 10 years of therapy, very helpful for my mental, emotional health, did nothing <laughs> for my physical symptoms other than it did help me manage the pain and the just sheer nightmare I was living in. And it really was a nightmare. I mean, I had no quality of life. I quit working full time when I was 26. And I really struggled. But I I just had this something deep inside my bones that I knew there was a way out of this. 
And my late 20s, we knew I had tick-borne illnesses. We, we'd figured out I had Lyme, I had Bartonella, I had Babesia. So that's a big load. Didn't know about mold toxicity. But I'd gotten so sensitive, I couldn't even tolerate the treatments for any of that. And the sensitivities continued to worsen. Looking back, I was constantly exposed to mold. I had, when I couldn't go to medical school, gone into medical yoga therapy. I taught from a chair many times. And then I had gone into spiritual coaching because the way I got through was developing my own spirituality. And I was supporting people who were really struggling mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and some similar experiences. And, you know, those things really helped me pull through. But the big game changer was learning that I had mold toxicity, quite a lot of it. And looking back, the the office that I was working out of was this beautiful historic building that was built right after the Civil War. Looking back at all the places I'd lived through college, the majority of, you know, I was in a 150-year-old duplex. There was just all this mold. But what I know as well as most places in the country these days have mold issues. It's become epidemic and it's very challenging away from it. But learning about the mold toxicity and learning about how to reboot my nervous system was the huge game changer. And it took a while to unravel all of this. I stopped counting at 75 practitioners. Wow. Over $350,000 invested in my health. It's it's way over a half a million now, but I just decided this is not worth counting anymore. Sure. But I started to climb back out of the hole that I was in and Gone, went from not even tolerating a tiny sprinkle of quercetin or curcumin or boswellia. Those would set my nervous system off. I Sleep would be, the, the, the lack of sleep I had would be even worse. I was able to turn that around to where in my mid-30s, I went back to graduate school. I got a degree in marriage and family therapy and then decided, you know, I want to do even bigger picture than this. I want to go back to my original dream. But from this journey I've been a on. different place. In this <laughs> yeah. different place. So then I also got a doctorate in naturopathy and, and built Mass Cell 360. And when I say I built it to be the the type of practice I wished had existed when I was so sick. I really mean that. That's what we designed it around. And this practice is for people who keep falling through the cracks. It's not for people who need a simple protocol. It's not what we do. Or they tolerate all kinds of things and they can just do something exactly out of a book and it works. We specialize in the unicorns, the people like me who everything was failing, nothing was working. And that's that's where I am today. Wow. Really grateful you're here. I I totally can relate to that feeling of not, you know, sometimes it's it is shocking where we are now. I didn't think I would live to see 50 and I'm 53. So and feel amazing. So I get it. Wonderful. I, I wanna cycle back because you said some I'm sure listeners are like, oh, you know yeah, I, I have this or I have that, or I know someone with this and, you know, I, well, we checked for that. Let's talk, bring it specifically to mast cell and this difference. For example, I was diagnosed with RA. I later then found, you know, one of my 
big triggers was mold toxicity as well, but I don't have mast cell. So let, let's talk about you know what it is. And like you said, it is unfortunately more and more common unicorn, you know, <laughs> unicorns are getting more common than they used to be. But but let's just start at square one for listeners. You know, what are mast cells and what is mast cell activation syndrome? Sure. And maybe hold it open that you may have mast cell involvement. So I'll go there with the connections with the autoimmunity yeah. here in a little bit. But mast cells are really critical immune cells. There are frontline sensing defending cells. They're in every tissue, every single tissue in our bodies except the retina. They're in the brain. They're in the whole nervous system. They actually line every nerve sheath and they're at every nerve ending. They are completely throughout the skin. They line the GI tract from the mouth down the esophagus, the stomach, the entire intestines. They're in all of our organs. They're in our muscles. They're made in the bone marrow and they migrate out of the bone to the rest of the body. They're in the tissues around the eyes. They're in the ears, lots in the sinuses, in the bladder, the vaginal canal, all of these various areas. We have mast cells and they are completely on the outside of the cell membrane covered in different types of receptors. And there are over 200 known receptors on mast cells. And these receptors can sense every molecule of air, every particle of anything or drop of anything we put in our mouths. They also are sensing injury. They're sensing pathogens, viruses, bacteria, molds, candidas, parasites. They are sensing every thought. And this is huge. Every thought (laughs) they mast cells experience and respond to is their location at the nervous system. They have receptors for the neurotransmitters and, and the hormones and all of these various things, everything that goes through your bloodstream, they pick up on. So they're picking up on stressors, pathogens, toxins. So that's really key. Their job is to keep us safe. So simple example, you cut your finger, don't get it cleaned out well enough. Maybe you were gardening, so there's lots of dirt in there. It starts to get red and swollen and kind of itchy. That's the mast cells starting to mobilize a response and then calling and orchestrating the rest of the immune system to come and clean this up, keep that bacteria from getting into your bloodstream. It heals. And for most people, you never think of that cut again. You don't even remember you got it. Same thing happens. You twist your ankle. It gets really swollen. It's actually a healing response. That inflammation helps your ankle heal. Hopefully it heals just normally. You forget you ever sprained your ankle and you're on your way. Even when we get sick, the mast cells have a role, well, along with other immune cells, but a role in the inflammation, the sinuses, and the nasal passages, and the throat, and all those things we associate with having a virus. The problem comes when we have a continual onslaught of toxins and stressors and new pathogens, and the mast cells don't get time to reset themselves. So if we think 200, 300 years ago, you know, really, if we go before the Industrial Revolution, 
we lived in a very clean environments. We did not have all this air pollution. We didn't have people in dense spaces. We also had much slower lives. We weren't going from, I wake up in the morning, I got to get the kids off to school and make their lunches. And oh my gosh, I forgot to pay that bill. And now I got to get myself to work on time. And then at work, oh my gosh, Johnny got in trouble at school. I've got to leave work, but I got this work deadline. How am I going to hit that and get Johnny home? Oh gosh, we're out of groceries. I got to get the groceries. I got to pick up the kids, get the groceries. They've got two extracurriculars tonight. I got to get them fed. They got to get their homework done. I got to get to bed. When did I have time to breathe today? I didn't. I'm exhausted. <laughs> Just thinking about it, right? That that's how so many people live our we live our lives. And this pandemic gave us a chance, you know, as as challenging as that was, a chance to step back and go, is this how I want to live my life? Yes. Yeah. So tying all this in, there's one other piece about these muscles I want to share is that they also have inside the mediators. And these mediators are their chemical signalers that they release out. And the best known, most people know, is histamine. The other thing that's become a household name now is cytokines. Mast cells are one of the major producers of cytokines. There's all kinds of types. There's actually inflammatory and anti-inflammatory cytokines. They make interleukins. They make substance P. They also produce neurotransmitters and neuropeptides. So there's a continual communication between the mast cells and the nervous system, the mast cells and the rest of the immune system, and everything else happening in the body. So over a thousand mediators, that's a lot. So this is why there's so many different expressions of mast cell activation syndrome. So again, that syndrome's happening once the mast cells become dysregulated, they're overly sensitive to things, to triggers, and overly responding and producing inflammation. So this condition is a multi-systemic, meaning if you just have seasonal allergies, that's not mast cell activation syndrome. It's multiple systems in the body. So it could be skin and GI tract. It could be brain, nervous system, cardiovascular. It could be tissues around the eyes, sinus issues, and problems with urinary burning and interstitial cystitis type symptoms. So, so things that the your typical Western docs won't connect because they're typically system focused. So yes, and many people go specialist to specialist to specialist. It takes studies have shown on average 10 years to get properly diagnosed. And this just got a diagnosis code in 2016. It's still not taught in medical schools. I have med school students as clients and they tell me, why aren't we being taught this? And I said, go talk to your, yeah. <laughs> your, your advisory board at the school. But it, it's going to take a while for this to catch up. The population studies show that this is affecting between at the very low end, 9% of the Western population up to wow. 17. And it's likely closer to 17% of the general population. That includes people who are chronically ill and not. Wow. Now, when we look at the chronically ill population, when I talk with my colleagues who specialize in this field, we really think it's 75% of the chronically ill population, if not drastically higher. We just want to be conservative because we don't have research on this yet, but it may be 90%. Anything that's creating any inflammatory condition that's affecting two or more systems has mast cell involvement, doesn't matter. 
what it is. And mast cell activation syndrome in the research literature has been tied to every form of autoimmunity. And part of this is because of their role in the TH2 system when you're TH2 dominant for a long time. And I know some people may not know this, so that's okay. I just want to share it for practitioners or people who understand this. When you're TH2 dominant for a long time, that can branch off in people with certain predispositions to TH17, which is autoimmunity. And that so if we really want to unwind autoimmunity, we have to come back and address these mast cells as well. So hopefully yeah, I'm, again, <laughs> I'm nodding and nodding and I'm thinking, you know, my, my brain is going a million miles an hour because I'm thinking, well, going back to if, if you start with when you have multiple systems involved, I'm thinking, well, how many people have two, three, four, five, eventually different autoimmune diagnoses because different systems are getting hit. Um, I, right. I know I, I had a few. Also, just the this whole thought of when you think of drivers, I'm guessing the reason numbers are growing and growing would be the same as what we're seeing in, in autoimmunity, whether properly diagnosed or not, when you're talking about, you know, the toxins and the molds and the stress, the chronic stress we all are living with and not necessarily managing well, that, I mean, these are the, the, the numbers are only going to continue to get bigger. And we've got not only more and more buildings getting older and older, but our new buildings don't breathe. So that's exactly the, right. That's and because of a combination of climate change factors that are increasing humidity, there's increased anywhere that gets hit by hurricanes is a big issue. Mm. Places that have had fires. Yeah. And so I think, you know, I'm thinking everyone's entire, almost one or the other. <laughs> the entire US. The so we I, I consult across the United States and our, our clinic works across the continental US. The only places we on occasion find people who come to us without mold in their homes is in the desert. And sometimes they'll still have issues because of the type of air conditioning or a yeah. water leak in their house. Now, that's not to say everybody has mold issues, but if you have autoimmunity, this is the absolute hands down number one trigger we're seeing for mast cell activation syndrome in my practice. Number two is the tick-borne infections, which are also on the rise. Yes. And they are finding new, just looking at the Borrelia species that drive Lyme, they're finding new species every two years on average. So we can't even keep up with the testing. This is just, there's a whole other tangent. The oh, testing yeah. and, and this is much like mold. You know, I live in Colorado and people used to say here, well, when I moved here 20 years ago we, in the housing industry, you know, oh, there's no mold here. There's plenty of mold here. It's everywhere. And oh, there's no Lyme disease. You know, you, you have to be in the north. No, it's not true. It's right. It's now... All 50 states. I don't. I don't care where you live. So some, it's across some, the almost the entire globe, and yeah. there's so much misinformation about both of these. And the many other factors that a lot of environmental mold specialists are noticing is as routers came into homes and yes. Wi-Fi. It seems to be we need more studies on this. And I actually ran a study, but I didn't get clear outcomes and decided that exposing myself to the mold wasn't worth it. Somebody no. needs to run some clear <laughs> studies on the the impact of EMFs on mold growth. But what is being observed 
by these environmental specialists who've been in this field for 40 years. So they saw houses before routers right. came to the house and we had smart houses. And then after is that it seems like mold registers the EMFs as a threat. It's growing faster and it's releasing more toxic mold toxins. So even schools, schools have gotten bad. Before we had all of this, studies were done to see how prevalent mold toxicity is in the U.S. 85% of commercial buildings, over 50% of homes, and at that time, 30% of schools. And again, that was before we had these changes in the last 20 years with climate change and before we had the, all the routers and smart devices going to home. So it's going to be higher now. Sure. Absolutely. So I, you know, we're not here today to bum people out or make people feel <laughs> hopeless. <laughs> Whenever I start talking about mold or toxins or EMFs, it starts to sound like really gloom and doom. And that is absolutely not why we're here. These are all things we need to know about and, and we can take steps. We, you know, nobody needs to go live in a bubble you know, in the middle of the jungle or we don't go to the jungle. <laughs> yeah. I was, I just, as I was saying, and I was like, Oh, don't go there. I, I want to kind of highlight. So for people listening, cause now it's like, okay, well then who it, it just feels like, and, and I know you just said the numbers are probably really high, you know, it feels like everybody could have mast cell activation. Right. So for listeners that are, are, their interest is peaked, right? They're wondering now they've, their heads are kind of swirling with like, I wonder if my three autoimmune conditions actually are, are mast cell. Well, you know, what do they do or, or who should be wondering, I guess, because yeah, you made yeah. the point to me, well, like, well, maybe, you know, and the reason I take myself out of that category, I, I feel very lucky. I'm not somebody, I, I never had the well, that's not true. <laughs> I was gonna say, never had the sensitivities. I was always able to manage treatments, but I do have chemical sensitivities still yeah, that I, I'm yeah. still working on with my yeah. toxicity. So well, let me let me frame it in a way that is gives people some boxes to check off. Perfect. Not all people with mast cell activation syndrome have sensitivities. So it's multi-inflam multi-systemic, inflammatory with or without allergies, with or without sensitivities, with or without anaphylaxis. Okay. <laughs> so that kind of opens. So the everything, door anybody. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah. there are plenty of people who, who don't have these symptoms, but you're going to see something in these systems. The classic, but there are lots of people who don't have this. The classic are itching, hives, rashes, any kind of skin, eczema, psoriasis, you know, flushing, those types of things. Now, a lot of practitioners were taught when they learn about mast cell issues, if you don't see that, there can't be a mast cell issue. That's not true because the mast cells may not be involved in the skin. They may be normal in the skin and dysregulated to different tissue. The other things you'll see, I'm just going to go through the most common things okay. and I'll tell people about how they can do a survey for free. And, and just look at it. Anytime there's an autoimmunity, mast cells have to be involved. There's no way to not be involved. So addressing the mast cells, the reason I say that is because addressing them is a game changer in dealing with autoimmunity. It's not that it's mast cell and not the autoimmunity. It's right. the, it's what, you know, what's really driving Underneath. the autoimmunity 
And then as you calm the mast cells down, the autoimmunity can calm down. And then you got to get your triggers. And there is huge amount of hope. And I'll get to the hope here in a yes. bit. There's a huge amounts of hope. And I see people get their lives back every day. It's it's amazing. But you can have GI issues, heartburns, common constipation or diarrhea, abdominal cramping. I mean, the liver, sometimes people have upper quadrant on the right side, the liver, some inflammation with mast cells being there, or the left side can be the spleen. It's often the spleen. Bladder irritation. Those are some common symptoms. Not everybody gets it. Breathing issues, tightness in the chest or asthma or anything like that. Hashimoto's is linked. Rheumatoid arthritis is linked. Graves is linked. I mean, we can just go right down the list. Every form of autoimmunity for the GI tract, for the skin has been linked. But if people really are getting peaked and going, hmm, I think I need to look at this. I have a yeah. free symptom survey. It was built off of the research literature for which symptoms are definitely tied to mast cell activation syndrome. There's lots of others people can get, but this is honed into exactly what the research literature says is tied to mast cell activation. So people can find that at mastcell360.com. And in the menu, just go to symptom survey. It's very easy. You just do it yourself. But that's there. That's why this has been so mystifying. So if you think about You've got every location in the body except the retina and the brain. Used to be thought that they weren't in the brain, then they were found in the limbic system in the brain, and they'll migrate across the brain anytime there's neural inflammation. But if you think about all the locations, 200 different types of receptors that can get triggered and over a 1,000 mediators, you have an almost incalculable number of presentations. Sure. So that's what makes this challenging. And the diagnostic criteria is very new. And it requires, in addition to there being two systems with inflammatory mast cell symptoms, there being certain blood markers that are elevated, but there's lots of challenges with that testing. And only about 10% of people with clear mast cell activation are getting positive tests. And it requires a positive response to a mast cell mediator medication or stabilizing medication or an antihistamine. But all of those meds have some kind of excipient that can trigger mast cells. So a lot of people will react to those inactive ingredients. So this is where it's just, it's still Tricky. being debated. <laughs> yeah. And it's still settling out what the official is. To me, it doesn't matter. It's really about getting people well. Absolutely. And I, I want to highlight just from experience and experiences that that my clients have, unfortunately, you mentioned you know, it's a newer diagnosis. It's, you know, somebody who went to med school 20 years ago did not learn about mast cell. They're not learning so it now. Somebody graduates this year is not learning it, it. If you're thinking, you know, I'm going to ask my rheumatologist about this, or I'm going to go to my GP, you know, I'm seeing my GP next week and I'm going to ask them, don't be discouraged. They may have, they, you know, may have very little, if any information about it at all, and they may not be able to guide you. This is, it is, it's new, I know, just like, just like if you go to your rheumatologist and you say, 
does it matter what I eat if I have RA? Many, most of them are still going to say no. <laughs> so, right. But we know gluten triggers RA. We, we know, know that better. lectins trigger it. We know dairy triggers it. Yeah. And But the good news is a lot more practitioners are getting on board. We have had so many practitioners take our courses, which makes me really happy because I developed them for lay people. I developed them for just the average person, but so many practitioners are hungry for this and they're working hard to get up to speed. It's just going to take time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we, we kind of, we covered root causes. We, you, you know, people can go, they can, they can take the survey. They can see where they fall or they're, we're going to tell them how to find you. What else, you know, what, what are some first steps that, that people can do? Yeah. So I developed what I call the MC 360 method. And this is after working with hundreds and hundreds of people dealing with these issues. So it's not just based on my own history, right. but it's tested and tested and tested and refined and tested. And we have a really good success rate with people who stick with the program. And that's the key is sticking with it because it takes time. This is not a, yes. I'm going to take an autoimmune drug and feel better next week. It's not prednisone. This is really digging in and doing the deep work. And it's a, it's a lifestyle change. Yep. The first place we start is what I call my stabilization phase. And we actually start with the nervous system. Because again, mast cells are the interface, they're the complete interface between the nervous system and the rest of the body. If you want to calm down all those Treg cells and all those other cells involved in autoimmunity, you've got to calm down the upstream operator. And if you're going to calm that down, you've got to calm down the nervous system signaling to it. So we do that through two special ways. A lot of people are doing meditations on YouTube and things like that. Wonderful. Please keep doing that. But there are two very specific systems in the nervous system that have to be addressed. The vagal nerve system and the limbic system. And I'm sure you've covered those. So I won't go into too much depth. But a lot of people think that they're doing these and they're not. So making sure that this really truly is a limbic program and really, truly is working on the vagal system. You can pick one limbic program, but the vagal system is so complex. It needs as many modalities as you can bring on way beyond gargling or singing or humming. Those are good too. Keep doing those. But we're talking about the specialized auditory programs, vagal nerve stimulators, any of those things. And the more severe the health condition, the more of this people need. But truly, usually if people get the right complement of limbic and vagal supports and they're calming their lifestyle down, they're not running themselves ragged, they'll usually start to see improvements within six to eight weeks. Wow. Yeah, see, and to me, because I know that that's fast. I mean, that really it's is. Fast. And yeah. so about getting the right mix. Yeah. So, and I do have a course all on that. I don't want to get in, in, use our time to get on all the details, but people can learn all about it. It's a low cost course. Then, and it takes you through how to make your own choices based on your own circumstances. Wonderful. So we've got the nervous system piece. The other part of that is some people have structural issues at the top of their neck. Mm -hmm. And I go through this in that course, but if you've ever had any kind of neck injury, head injury, whiplash, if you had weird 
I shouldn't say weird. If you had unusual, <laughs> unusual birth circumstances where they do forceps or something like that, it was hard to get you out of the birth canal. If you were born by C-section, C-section actually doesn't allow the cranial sutures to have the compression they're supposed to to finalize what the development of the, the structure. Anyway, all that. If you had, but if you played soccer and you used to headbutt the ball, I mean, there's so much exactly. we don't exactly think of we know now is, you know, trauma that we didn't ever consider to be trauma. So it doesn't need to be that you lost consciousness somewhere because you hit Uh your head that hard. Absolutely. And what it really is, it's both that neural inflammation side, but also it can pinch the vagal nerve where it comes out at the very top of the neck. And there are other cranial nerves that are very critical in this. So these nerves have pressure on them, doesn't matter how much meditation you do, or limbic vagal, you've got to go upstream to that. And the jaw is really important that too. So we have jaw dysregulation. So that's step one, stabilization, assessing what's going on, looking through your history, looking through what factors you're facing. Then number two is remove the triggers. These are foods we talked about food triggers. A lot of them in this audience are going to be gluten, dairy, sugar, you know, those things that yes. everybody should know about <laughs> by now. Histamine mm. and lectins. Lots of free blog posts for people on our website on those. Histamine and lectins. Now, my issue was with my joints was actually oxalates. Mm. And when I came out, it was like walking on ground glass. And when I came off the oxalates, I was off that cane for good. And today I don't do it often, but I can wear cute shoes. I can wear high heels. I can hike for two, three, four Isn't miles. Isn't that amazing? Oh, it's so <laughs> wonderful. Every time I get to go for a walk, I'm just immensely grateful that I can. I don't walk. even own dance goes anymore. That was literally the yeah. only shoe I used to wear. <laughs> Mine was Doc Martens because they had that yep. support. <laughs> Yeah. We all had like the one thing, you know, I couldn't be like in anything. Yeah, so. it was so painful. Yeah. Now, if somebody's going to look at oxalates, please read our blog post. Please go off of those slowly. Do not go cold mm. turkey. You can trigger kidney stone. So really know what you're doing with the oxalates. Then the third part in this method, I'm just going with step one, yep. stabilization. The third part is the mast cell calming. And I want to share some of my favorite ones particularly in the realm of autoimmunity. Some of my favorite are actually bicarbonates. Baking soda, if people have low blood pressure. Potassium bicarbonate, if they have high blood pressure. If you're on blood pressure meds, absolutely work with your prescriber before you use those. But bicarbonates modulate the mechanism that, that pushes inflammasome production, creates inflammation in the body. Very simple. Almost everybody can tolerate that unless they have super low stomach acid. So my other favorites, quercetin's huge. Most people in this audience probably tolerate it. I get a lot of super sensitive people who don't. We have all kinds of other options, but quer- I'm going to go with my less sensitive yep. ones. Vitamin D, vitamin yes. E, vitamin A. I use a form of, it's kind of like omega-3s, but they're called SPMs, called Uh Special Pro-Resolving Mediators, huge in resolving inflammation. If you tolerate them well, they're lower histamine than fish oil, and you've got to get the dose up to about three caps two times a day for most people. Now, these are just ideas, and it's not prescriptive for anybody. Zinc is a big one. 
And then one of my two last favorites are perilla seed extract. That's a, the perilla seed, perilla is a Asian herb, wonderful mast cell supporting properties. And then Nicolin, Chinese skullcap extract, also really good when people have neural inflammation. Great properties. Now, there are hundreds actually mast cell supporting agents. And people, a lot of people get relief using combo of H1, H2 blockers and things like that. LDN, huge in autoimmunity. And people probably talked about that on here. Then once we bring things down a few notches, so we're a little more stabilized, we've got the symptoms. They're not going to be gone, but we've just got it down. So there's some bandwidth, there's some room. Because by the time most people see me, they're kind of at the end of the rope. They can't handle flaring anymore. They're in a continual flare most of the time in the people I'm working with. Once we get things down a few notches, then we're going to go really gentle mold detox. Mm -hmm. And if people need one step to take, learn about mold, learn how to test yourself, learn how to interpret those tests because they often look normal, but most people with autoimmunity are poor excretors of toxins. And the levels are going to look artificially low, but if you see anything there, take it seriously. And then learn how to start to step yourself through. We have a great guide course that steps you through step by step by step. Now it was for more sensitive people, but you know, that's a great course. There's other resources out there. Find something. And I have had almost no one out of the hundreds and hundreds of people come through a clinic. Almost no one who's not had mold toxicity. That doesn't mean everyone has mold toxicity. It just means in the population I see. Also in the population I see. So it is, I mean, to say it's prevalent is such an understatement. And everybody, and it used to be one of those things that if the needle wasn't moving like expected, then we would look. We just, we're testing right away now. I mean, there's, it just doesn't make sense not to because it's, it's that kind. If you already have autoimmune symptoms, autoimmune diagnosis, know you have mast cell issues, you got to look. You definitely- yeah, mold, mold toxins are toxic to the nervous system. They're toxic to the immune system. They're great disruptors. Ocratoxin, aflatoxin are highly carcinogenic. And the higher, the more the autoimmunity, the more risk of cancer doesn't mean you'll get it, but the risk increases. So we've got to bring those risk loads down. And I would rather have tick-borne illnesses again than to have mold toxicity again. And when, which we see so, so often as well, just like with you, we, we see the two together. Yeah. And you really, you need to treat that mold first. Exactly. Got to, got to go after that. First. And that's the key with sensitive people, because I know there's got to be some sensitive people listening, oh, yeah. is the order of operation. So if you have failed and failed protocols, don't despair, don't yes. give up. It's really about getting the right things in the right order that makes all the difference. And we have people come in who can't drink water. I mean, even our own water, we have people who come in, they, they can hardly eat. And they, you know, they get huge improvements when we do things in the right order. So that's the key. And I love to end with just a little message of hope for people. Yes. Which is that, you know, I went from being bedridden, unable to read a book, unable to hardly walk across the house to 
I run a busy, busy practice and we're expanding our practice with more practitioners that I'm training. And we, I have a really busy life. I have to work on that balance piece every day, but I exercise. I feel great. I process very complex cases. My brain is functioning fully. And I've had people who came in in a wheelchair with 20 seizures a day, couldn't form a full sentence, couldn't even handle being on a call for more than 15 minutes. One woman in particular, a couple years later, is going back to college. And, you know, we see these things all the time. And what we can really frame this as, because you're exactly right, this is on the rise. And even when I started 10 years ago, the types of cases were not what what we see today. And when I talked to my mentor, Neil Nathan, who's been doing this for 50 years, he says, absolutely, clearly, it's people are more complex and they're more sick than they were 30, 40, 50 years ago. We do live in a very toxic world. It's not sustainable. And what's happening to those of us with autoimmunity, with mast cell issues, those of us who get really sick from old toxins versus the people who are in the same environment don't get as sick. And I see this in families all the time. There's one yes. person really sick. It, it's happening to all of us. It's just expressed differently. And those of us with the autoimmunity, with the mast cell issues, with the sensitivities, whatever it is, we're the canaries in the coal mine. We're the ones waving the flag going, yes. hey, this is dangerous. Mm-hmm. And it's whether, does it show up right now? Or does it show up 20, 30 years later in stage four yeah. cancer or Alzheimer's? Or, or Alzheimer's. Yep. So at least when it shows up now, we have time to turn our health around and make a difference. And my hope for all of us is that we're going to be the leaders in this change. Yes. Absolutely. It's the the butterfly effect can be amazing. I always say, even with my clients, I'm sure you see the same. You know, it's not, it's not just I healed, you healed, we're helping other people heal. It's their families, their friends, the people they come into contact with that want to know how, what did you do? That this is how we're going to start that shift in the right direction. Absolutely. Exactly. And it's for us, it's for our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. And it it's for me, it's not just about getting people back to eating in restaurants again or you know, walking in heels again or whatever, you know, getting to go mountain climbing, whatever we want to do. It's really about getting people back to living their lives, giving back to living their hopes, their dreams. And what's our mission here on earth? just to make this planet a better place for all of us. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I always ask at the end of the episode, and you've already given us many, many, but one thing anybody listening can do starting today to start to improve their health. Yes. One free thing you can do, actually, I'll go with this one. Some people might have some congestion. I mean, I will do it. It's actually alternate nostril breathing. Super simple. You can look up videos on YouTube on how to do it, but you're just closing one nostril, inhaling through the left, closing the left, exhaling through the right, and then inhale through the right, close, exhale through the left. That's a great vagal nerve support. It's simple. It's easy to do. You can do it when you're sitting in traffic. You can do it on your bathroom break. So that's a wonderful one. 
And I just wanted to add one more resource for people, if I could, which is we have a summit that is going on October 18, and it'll be going until I believe the, I'm going to give you the exact date. I should have it in my head here. It's going to be October 18th through October 25th. And it's the Reversing Mast Cell Activation Histamine Intolerance Summit. And there are over 40 free interviews you can access that week on all aspects of this, including autoimmunity. So I hope some people can join us. And this was really a huge labor of love to get this out for free to people. Amazing. And for those that are going to listen later, will they be able to access that? If they Yes. Okay. Yes. It'll be available Wonderful. evergreen. It'll be available for purchase. But Perfect. that, and it's still low cost, but that week it's free. Yeah. Fantastic. We'll have all of these links in the, in the notes, but for people that are listening on the go and they want to learn more about you, what you're doing, what's the best place to find you? Two places, mastcell360.com. It's M as in Mary, A-S as in Sam, T as in Tom, mast, like a ship mast cell 360 and that's our website then we have a facebook page as well same name mast cell 360 and we have free facebook lives most mondays lots of resources there for people and a lovely community so people are so supportive so we'd love to have you join us amazing you beth have been that this is a treasure and you're such a leader in this space so i want to thank you for taking the time to share with us and educate us and just give us the gift of this knowledge of you know what we maybe thought was really really rare or hadn't even heard of is actually something that we all need to know about thank you you know if i can help just one more person get their health back way faster and way less money than I did, then what I went through was worth it. Amen. (laughs) Thank you so much. For everyone listening, remember you can get the transcripts and show notes by visiting inspiredliving.show. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to get a transcript of this and every other episode, just head on over to inspiredliving.show or click on the link in this episode's description. There, you can also find everything we discussed in this episode, including links and information about our guests. You can even send in your questions to be answered by Julie in a future episode. That's inspiredliving.show. Until next time, this is Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, helping you take your power back.